Hi, this is Wilson with Renew Church OC. Thanks for joining into our podcast. We're doing a two-week break from the book of Luke to focus on our missions trips locally and globally. Locally, we helped with the foster camp, and we have some really heartfelt stories from this camp. 37 of us went, two dozen of us went for the day, and it was just an amazing week of seeing God transforming us and the kids. The second week, we'll be hearing stories from our short-term missionaries who had gone overseas to serve in different areas. We're grateful to be a church that is about the mission of Jesus and to have that displayed throughout the summer. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. The word mission uh, and the word missions is a word that gets thrown out in uh, Christian circles and churches a lot. We use it a lot. Ironically, the word mission doesn't really show up in the Bible that much. Uh, If you look throughout the Bible, certain translations will put it here and there, but it's really not a biblical word, which is ironic because we use it a lot. Um, it's, it has Latin roots, and uh, really, the meaning of mission is, uh, at the root of it, is to be sent. Uh, so it refers to people who are sent. And when you think about that concept of being sent, you realize, well, that's all over the Bible, right? God sends people all throughout Scripture. Look at the Old Testament. God sends people like Moses. He sends Jeremiah. He sends Esther. If you look in the New Testament, I mean, Jesus is sending so, so many people. Paul is one of the main characters. Him and his companions get sent all throughout the Mediterranean region. And so being sent is at the core. And really, that's what mission is about. It's about embodying that idea of, of understanding ourselves as people who are sent. This morning, uh, we're going to look at the story of how God sent one of the apostles, and that is the Apostle Peter. And we're going to look at a really critical part of his story and then have that connect to some of the stories that we'll hear from some of the folks here in Renew. Uh, we're going to look at the book of Acts. And in the opening parts of the book of Acts in chapter 1, Jesus is ascending. At the time uh, of the opening of Acts, there's about 120 believers who are left after the death and resurrection of Jesus. 120 people, that's all there is who are gathered, who believe and follow Jesus. And Peter is one of them. And Jesus is ascending into heaven, and he says to his followers, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, when you read that, those opening chapters of the book of Acts, what you recognize is that this group of 120 believers, they do a great job being witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, but they have a much harder time when it comes to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The the fact of the matter was that they were much like us. Uh, They enjoyed being around people like themselves. They enjoyed talking with people who spoke their same language. They enjoyed being with people who ate the same foods as them. And so in a lot of ways, they're very tribal. They just sort of hung around Jews. Samaritans lived in Samaria. Gentiles lived in the ends of the earth. And to interact with those folks would require that they would have to cross some boundaries. They would have to cross cultures and enter into awkward situations. And as you look at the opening chapters of Acts, you find, well, they didn't really do that. Jesus had to be the one to send them. 
We're going to look at Acts chapter 10 today, and I want to just open up the story. Before we get to the scripture, I want to open up the story a little bit and have you consider this story just and enter into the story. Peter is hungry one day. That's all that the scripture tells us. He's hungry. And uh, he goes up on top of this, uh, on a rooftop in the city of Joppa, and he falls asleep. And he has a dream. And in this dream, he's hungry. Now, uh, that just sounds normal, right? He's hungry. He falls asleep. What is he going to dream about? Well, it's food. That would happen to any of us here, right? If you're really hungry and you fell asleep, you might be thinking about a steak. Well, for Peter, this dream is peculiar because what happens in this dream is he dreams of food that he's actually not familiar with. So in this dream, he sees food that he would recall as unclean. So the Jews at the time, they were specified certain foods that they were allowed to eat, and there's other foods that they were not allowed to eat, and they divided into clean and to unclean. And in this dream, there's a bunch of unclean animals, and he hears a voice from heaven telling him, get up and eat. And Peter says, no, my entire life, that's not the kind of food that I ate. And that happens a few different times, right? And what the voice from heaven says, don't call things that I have created unclean. Now, this is just my paraphrase version, but don't call things that I have created unclean. Now, that happens three different times. And if you have read the story of Peter and understand a little bit of his life, you would know that anytime three, God does something three times in a row for Peter, it's important. He's trying to get his attention, right? And this is one of those times. God is saying something three times to him, and he has this thing. He keeps saying, no, I'm not going to eat it. And God says, no, don't call what I have created unclean. So he wakes up from this vision, and lo and behold, there's somebody at his door. And the, some, the person at his door is this messenger from a man named Cornelius. Now, Cornelius was a Gentile. Not only was he a Gentile, he was sort of a Gentile of Gentiles. He was a Roman centurion. He was a commander of the, in the Roman army. He was a person high up in the ladder of the Roman hierarchy. And this man, Cornelius, has a divine encounter, and he sends this, his messenger because he wants to hear from Peter about the God that Peter worships. So Peter has this moment, and he realizes, okay, I'll go to Cornelius' house. He gets there, and when he gets to Cornelius' house, what he finds is a whole congregation of people. He finds all of Cornelius' family. He finds all of Cornelius' friends, and they have gathered there for one reason, and that reason is this. They want to hear about the God that Peter worships. Now, the thing that's you have to understand about this passage is the cultural and ethnic tensions that underlie all of this. It was not normal for Jews to interact with Gentiles. On an average day, Peter would not go to Cornelius' house because that would have been viewed as going to a place that was unclean. But friends, this was not an average day. Peter had just had this weird vision. Three times it happened. God telling him, don't call the things that I have created unclean. And so now he stands before this congregation of so-called unclean people, and he realizes it's a divine moment. And so he doesn't just go there. He stays there, he opens his mouth, and he begins to tell them the story of Jesus. 
And this becomes one of the most important sermons in the whole book of Acts. We don't have time to get into all of that today. If you have time later today, I encourage you to read Peter's sermon. It's found in chapter 10, verses 34 to 43. What I want to meditate on this morning is how this sermon ends and how the story unfolds. And so if you have your Bible, open up to Acts chapter 10, verse 44. This is what the scripture says. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard him speaking in tongues, for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and they invited him to stay for several days. Then jump to the top of chapter 11. Now the apostles and the brothers and sisters who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, Why would you go to uncircumcised people and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain to them step by step and told their story. Jump to verse 15. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as it had done on us in the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that, that I could hinder God? When they heard this, they were silenced. And they praised God, saying, Then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. Peter was sent by God to the house of a Gentile, the Roman commander Cornelius. And after being there, after being sent there and sharing the gospel, what ultimately happens is that the Spirit of God comes into this home and awakens the entire congregation. The entire congregation is awakened. It's as if they were asleep and they come awake. They're awakened to the presence of God. And not only are they awakened, we're told that they begin to experience what happened in the early parts of Acts where they have a Pentecost type of moment. They begin to worship God in a very profound way. Friends, this was unheard of. It was unheard of to see Gentiles worshiping God. No Jew at that time would have anticipated this. No Jew would have ever anticipated to see Gentiles opening up their mouths in praise of God. I only have one point to offer this morning. And that point is this. And before I invite our friends to share, that point is this. Missions is about worship. Christians are sent into all parts of the world. And the reason we are sent into different parts of the world is because the ultimate goal of the church is worship. We're sent by God not because he needs us, we're sent by God, not because people need us. At the core, we are sent by God because our creator created us to worship. We are creatures of worship. Amen? There are so many people in our world who need to be awakened. Awakened to the reality of the creator, to the one who created them to worship. So many people in this world have fallen asleep to that reality. And that's why God sends us. 
He sends us into workplaces. He sends us into the campuses. He sends us into our families. He sends us to our neighborhoods so that we might be witnesses and so that people might be awakened to the reality of who God is and may be drawn into the worship of the living God. When Peter is sent to proclaim the message of Jesus to the house of Cornelius, it results in worship. The family and friends of Cornelius break out into worship of God. Then, when Peter goes down to Jerusalem and tells all the leaders in Jerusalem what happens, initially, he experiences some resistance because of what they're under, trying to understand. Why did you go to this Gentile's house? But when he tells them the story of what actually happened, what happens? They break out into worship. The Jerusalem church begins to worship. This morning, we have the opportunity to hear from three people who were sent by our church into different parts of the world. And as you hear them, I want you not just to listen to them as if you're watching TV. I want you to listen to them in a posture of worship. Sometimes we think of worship as a musical thing. But I want us to expand our understanding of worship. That even in the hearing of a story, we are worshiping the Lord. We are entering into a place where we're giving God the glory. In fact, we're going to try something a little bit new. Um, each person is going to start their story by saying this phrase, I want to give glory to God. And as a congregation, I want all of us to respond in unison by saying amen. Amen literally means so be it. It's a Hebrew word that means so be it. We are agreeing with them in a posture of worship. All right, so let's just practice that real quick. I want to give glory to God. All right. We're going to hear now from Corey. I want to give glory to God. Amen. I want to give glory to God. Amen. Well, hi, guys. Uh, my name is Corey, and for those of you who don't know me, um, I yeah, came to renew my sophomore year of college, which is crazy. It's been like four or five years now. Um, and I get the opportunity to work for OMF International, which is a missions organization that works with indigenous church planning in East Asia. And I primarily work for them as a graphic designer and photographer, but this past spring they asked me to come on a vision trip and just see what God is doing in East Asia. Um, and so, yeah, I went. And I have a few stories that really impacted me, and I just want to share them with you. And then end with an invitation. So my first story um, is from my first Sunday in Japan. Actually, that top photo on the left um, is what the church looks like. And I was told that this church is a pretty accurate representation of what churches in a non-urban area of Japan look like. Some of you guys might know this, but most churches in Japan in non-urban areas are really small, and most of the congregation is over the age of 60. So this church that I attended had 11 congregants. One of them was a pastor, one of them was the pastor's wife, and one of them was the pastor's daughter. And yeah, most of the congregation was over the age of 60. And so yeah, we sat down, um, and a lady comes up to give announcements at church. And I don't speak Japanese. I don't understand Japanese. But after a little bit, I noticed she was like choking up, and she started to cry. And I kind of like looked around and I was like, is this normal for people to cry while giving announcements? And then, you know, she continued on, gave announcements, the service went on. 
And after the service, she came up to me and a few other of my teammates, and she said, I just want to let you know, the fact that you came to our church today made me cry. The fact that you showed up today encouraged my faith, that you would choose to come to this small little church means so much to me, and it moved me to tears. And honestly, I was really shocked because it felt like I did the bare minimum, to be honest. Like, I just showed up to a church. I sat in the pew. You know, I heard a sermon in a language I don't understand. But yet, just showing up meant so much to this woman. And I just think about just the need for community and just the importance of community as Christians. Like, when we show up for people, just how much that means. The second story I want to share is from my time in Cambodia. I wish like I could just transport us all to a little room in Cambodia um, for a Sunday service, and there's no AC. We're sitting on the floor. It's that picture there uh, on the bottom left. There's like motorcycles going by, background music, um, and yeah, I got to hear this lady named Yari. She's there on the right. She's just this like fireball for Jesus. Um, she became a Christian about four years ago. She's one of the only Christians in her village in Cambodia. And she really just senses an urgency for the gospel. Um, and so she invited a few of my teammates and I over to her house for a meal. She cooked us this traditional Khmer Cambodian meal, which was amazing. And as she was preparing the meal, she actually saw one of her friends and her friend's child drive by on a motorbike. And she said, hey, come on over. We're having a meal. We'd love to have you come. So her friend comes. And while we are eating, we notice that Yari is sharing the gospel with this friend. And I was just like, wow. Like, she just realized, like, this is the time. Right here, right now, we're sharing the gospel. And a few days later, we went to another village in Cambodia. And Yari was there again with a few other Cambodian ladies. And a crowd had gathered because there were visitors in the village. And once again, they saw, like, this is the time right here, right now to share the gospel. And so they worshiped. They shared their testimonies. And once again, I was like, wow, like, I want to be like Yari. Like, I want to have that hospitality that she has and that willingness to witness right where she's at, right here, right now. And so I think about us as Renew. And I think sometimes global missions can feel like this far off thing, like far away in Japan, far away in Cambodia. And you know, like we're sitting here, we've got AC, we have plush seats, most of these seats are full, there's more than 11 people here, I think. And <laughs> I think it can feel like our world is so different than their world, but I just want to offer this invitation of, we can learn so much from these stories. Like, we can learn from this lady in Japan that community is so important. Like the act of showing up can mean so much to people and can move people to tears even. And I think of Yari and her hospitality and I wanna be like that and be hospitable and, and just welcome people in and, and be willing to witness wherever I am. And so yeah, I just wanna offer this invitation for us as Renew to learn from the global church um, and, and to grow in these ways. So. Thank you all for letting me share these stories with you guys. I want to give glory to God. Yeah, yeah so um, 
Yeah, as a church, I, I hope you guys could hold me accountable to continue to give glory to God, and we could all hold each other accountable. Um, I'm seeing a lot of new faces and old faces, some faces I know, some new faces that might be older, some older faces that might be newer. <laughs> so um, my name is Azu, and I'm currently going to Biola. I'm doing my master's in intercultural studies. Um, actually, tomorrow is when I moved to California about a year ago, and that was when I heard about um, Renew from Corey, actually. Um, but yeah, I was invited to share a little bit about what I've been doing this summer. Um, I went to Thailand to lead a camp for TCKs. Um, I was told that maybe not everyone knows what a TCK is. A TCK is a third cultured kid. So basically a kid who grew up in a different culture or country that was different from their parents or from their own passport country. So I myself am a TCK. I was born in India and I grew up in Thailand. And so I got the opportunity to help lead some teens um, just as an older TCK, just to build relationship with them and mentor them through what they're gonna go through. And so um, we focused on identity and who we are in this world and where we belong, who we belong to. And yeah, um, so I wrote, we could see true identity start to be revealed by reflecting on our story and where we see God through it. We all have a story and God is a part of it. And I didn't prepare this in this talk, but I was thinking, um, we're all really actually connected through Christ. Um, the opportunity that I got to go to Thailand, um, I got to go because people were able to support me to go and they have their own story as well. And through them supporting me, I was able to go. And so I'm really grateful for this church as well for allowing me to go. Um, but today, I actually will not be sharing my story. I want to share someone else's story. Um, this is about a man who I met there at the camp. He was actually the host and a staff there helping out with the venue that we were hosting. Um, but yeah, I asked permission to share his story. We were talking this week as well. Um, and he said it was totally fine. And so I just wanted to read it just or read um, his story just because I don't want to misinterpret anything. So this, this story starts before Patrick became a Christian. He lived his life without much thought about salvation or God. His focus was, was on worldly pleasures such as traveling, money, parties, and relationships. His identity was wrapped up in these things, and he was content living this way. It was only when COVID hit during the quarantine season that he was called. One day as Patrick faced temptation to sin, something extraordinary happened. He heard a voice, a voice that initially frightened him. But as he realized that it was the voice of God, he described it as a feeling of immense love, just like a father speaking gently to his child. In that moment, he heard God's voice telling him that he didn't have to give in to the temptation, that it wasn't necessary. This experience led Patrick to, believe, to feel liberated from the grip of sin. It was a turning point in his life, a moment of awakening. Patrick had been searching for his identity in things that were unholy. But through this encounter, God gave him a new identity, an identity in Christ. This experience marked a profound shift in his perspective. He began to see the world through a different lens, one that prioritized faith, love, and a deeper connection with God. Patrick's journey reminds us that no matter where we are in life, it's never too late to find our true identity and purpose in God's love.
And I just want to say as witness to his testimony that he truly is living that life. I could, like having talked to him one-on-one, I got to know him better. And I could see God's face shining on him. And that's the kind of identity that I want. When people see me, I want you guys to see God, to see Christ as well. Not for what I've done, for what I've achieved. And I want to um, give glory to God. give glory to God. Amen. So um, a little bit about myself. My name is Priska, and I am currently a doctoral student in clinical psych at Biola University. So um, I am, yeah, that's what I'm studying. And about two months ago, I was up here sharing that I would be going overseas um, to provide psychological services or mental health services to uh, missionaries as a part of my, one of my internship opportunities in my program. So That's where I just came from. Um, I landed here two weeks ago, um, and I was there for about um, a little bit over a month. So while I was there, I was able to provide, um, my purpose there was to provide therapy um, to missionaries and their kids and their families, and also to provide uh, assessments, which is um, ways for us to be able to diagnose them with things like dyslexia or ADHD, um, mood disorders, things that would help these kids um, in school to get accommodations and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I was with about three other colleagues, um, right at the top picture, all the Asian girls, that's who we were, um, and, uh, so I was there with about three of them, and, um, in total we helped about 20 to 25 therapy clients and 16 assessment clients, um, and all of them, uh, were missionaries or missionary kids, like I said, and they were people that were serving in places like China, um, Thailand, Peru, Egypt, um, so they would fly in or if they were in Thailand, they would drive in um, for about like a week to two weeks to receive services with us. Um, yeah, and I think I felt God uniquely work through each and every single one of my clients. Um, but where I felt God's presence the most was actually at the counseling center itself. So I was at Cornerstone Counseling. That's what it was called, Cornerstone Counseling Foundation. Um, and it's one of several counseling centers actually around the globe that specifically serves missionary populations. So there's ones in other continents and countries that do that um, uh, similar format. And on day one, I already strongly felt God had been working uh, for a long time in this center. So um, I was entering a space in which the spirit had already been moving and transforming, growing and healing for many, many years, and it was such a privilege to be a part of that for even just one month. Um, Really felt like, uh, yeah, really felt honored and privileged to be a part of that story and part of that process that had been going on for so long and helping so many people already before I even got there. Um, Yeah, and most of my therapy clients actually came in because they were burnt out or um, considering quitting their ministry, so a lot of them were considering, like, this was their decision, or that was, they were at a point where they're going to make a decision. Do I go back to America or not? Um, do I move to a different country or not? Do I give up being a missionary? Um, and most of my assessment clients um, were missionary kids that needed to be, uh, that just needed more support because um, a lot of them attend international schools. I just found out some of my, the kids I interacted with actually went to the same school that Azu went to. So, um, yeah, and my place. Okay, so my final therapy plan is the one I'm going to kind of share about a little bit, and obviously, I have to keep a lot of things confidential, but um, 
She was a female who had been helping her husband plant a church for about four years um, in Thailand. And she was a mom of three, with her youngest child being only three months old. So for a lot of her sessions, she actually had her baby with her. Um, and uh, so they're actually originally from the States. And this individual had been through a lot. So uh, toxic work environment, church leadership conflict, church splitting, uh, child, her child, one of her children being bullied at school, and even witnessing um, a tragic accident of a neighbor's child. Um, and I really had a hard time, actually, with this client because I felt like things were going really, really slow. Um, and it's, that's a problem in this specific context because they're only there for a limited amount of time because they are missionaries full time. They, they're only kind of granted like a week to a couple weeks, sometimes even just a couple days to be there. Um, so we're kind of running out of time for the reasons that she came. Um, and let's see, so yeah. Um, by the third session out of four that we had, by the third session, um, we had barely scratched the surface of some of the things that she was bringing in, the things that she told me she wants to work through. And during the fourth and final session, I realized that she just needed the space. Um, God brought her to the center so that she can have 90 minutes of her own space to grieve and process and feel and to cry uh, behind closed doors and no expectations that none, nothing from her ministry, nothing from her church, uh, without the burden of her missionary work, without her husband, without her kids. Um, and ultimately, that's, that's what she received. She was there every session, 90 minutes, just being able to feel and have her own space. And um, I didn't know it until the last session, but I think God knew the whole time. Um, this was another reminder of how God can use me and God can use us as a vessel without us really having to try so hard. Um, God's glory and goodness shines through all of us without us having to work so hard. And while I actually don't come from a missionary background, my dad has been a pastor ever since um, I can remember. And um, I am also a t uh, TCK, so um, being the eldest child and daughter, my identity became pastor's daughter for the longest time. And um, having moved around so much, I never quite belonged anywhere. So I'm, uh, I actually was born in Israel, but obviously I'm not Israeli. Um, my parents are from Korea, so ethnically I'm Korean. And I was mostly raised here in California. So um, I think I just didn't really know who I was. Um, I didn't really quite fit in anywhere or belong anywhere. Um, and I think being a PK, you're also kind of treated differently at church too. So um, yeah, that's how I grew up. I always kind of lacked that confidence in who I was um, and what I could offer. I struggled a lot with um, just mental health and throughout my life, um, but something about this field, I think, is what I, what I realized when I was abroad this time around. Um, I feel like maybe I was created for this, and maybe this is what God designed me for, and this is my role um, in this, on this earth while we're here. And my four weeks at Cornerstone in Thailand uh, very strongly affirmed this feeling. Um, so I just wanna take some time also to thank you all um, for praying for me while I was there and my team and for this trip. Um, thank you to my small group for helping me fundraise with all those fam musubis. And um, yeah, thank you for everyone that uh, supported through prayer and through donations. Um, it really did help a lot. Um, I went with 
feeling very supported and feeling very secure um, and was able to focus on what I was there to do. Um, and I still have a couple years until I can be fully licensed and fully practicing um, in therapy and assessments, but um, I think I know this is how I will glorify God and this is how I will serve his people. Thank you. Thanks, Corey, Azu, and Prisca. Uh, it was a privilege for us to hear their stories. I want us to go back into our groups, and the question I want you to consider is this. How were you drawn to worship in the hearing of these stories? Or how were you drawn to worship in the hearing of these stories? I realize it's a bit of an awkward question, but consider it. How were you drawn to sort of orient yourself towards God and worship Him? And just, just the hearing of them, all right? Let's do that. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're really grateful that you'd spend time listening to the sermon series. And we also wanted to point you to a few other resources. My wife and I wrote a children's book collection helping kids bridge their faith with God's calling in their life as a businessman, as a doctor, a nurse, and as a creative. Secondly, we wrote an adulting journal which helps young adults think through this transition into adulthood, whether it's transitions in friendship, family, faith, or calling. And lastly, I want to point to a podcast that myself and another church member, Roy Kim, who's a therapist, co-host together. It's called The Same Boat. We talk about relationships. We just finished um, a series on dating. We think back to an English ministry church, and we just tackle all kinds of topics that are relevant to our life. I hope that uh, those resources enrich your life as well. And lastly, if you're looking to partner with us, on our website, we have a give section. You could give to our general fund and continue to serve our church through, um, through partnering with us financially. But if you scroll down, we have quite a few local missionaries that have called Renew Home. If you read their bio, there's also a section to give to each one of our local missionaries. We hope that all of them would be fully funded going into this year. God bless you. Thanks so much for being with us and uh, hope to hear, hope to uh, have you join us again.